0: Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming back tonight. And uh, we are in the book of Ephesians, and I want to thank Mike and Tanya and Ray for the ministry and music. Tonight we are going to be uh, talking about God's resurrection power. Uh, Paul prays that the Ephesians would have a greater understanding of God's power in Ephesians 1:16 through twenty one. Let's uh, look at that portion of scripture. It states, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come now as Paul writes that uh, he prays for the Ephesians that they would have a greater understanding awareness, knowledge experience of the resurrection power of God we take note that the Ephesians already had a pretty good understanding of the power of God In the book of Acts, chapter 19, i give you verse 1 just for the context. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. So I'll give you that verse to show you that, that Paul is indeed at Ephesus. And then, jumping down to verse 11 of Acts, chapter 19, that gives us a summary of Paul's time there at Ephesus. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were taken away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. However, these miraculous displays were only the tip of the iceberg of God's power. I would think that many would think that if they could see that, if they could uh, experience those kind of miracles of healing and casting out demons, uh, that that would be pretty amazing and it would show us a great deal of God's power. But even though the Ephesians had that experience of God's power and his miraculous healings and casting out demons, yet Paul prays for them that they would have their eyes opened to the resurrection power of God. Paul himself wanted to have a greater understanding of God's resurrection power, For we find out that Paul pressed on in order, among other things, to gain a better understanding of the power of God. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, this statement, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. When you think of Paul's experiences, who's had visions, who he says in the book of Corinthians that he was caught up into the third heaven, Uh, the one who encountered Christ on the road to Damascus was blinded, was healed, uh, and then... Empowered with the ability to do these miracles himself that we just read that were performed in Ephesus and other places. So Paul wasn't just a recipient of miracles, but was able to actually uh, do miracles himself. You would think that he had a pretty good understanding of the power of God. And yet Paul says that he presses on that he might know or experience more fully the power of Christ's resurrection. So I have here, is it any wonder then that Paul would desire that the Ephesians have a better grasp of God's resurrection power? So the theme tonight is Paul prays that the Ephesians would have a greater understanding of the power of God that is directed towards believers. So we want to unpack this tonight about uh, this power of God. It's not going to be exhausted by any means But what we're doing here is we're looking at this prayer that Paul made, and and then we're kind of tracing it through the book of Ephesians to give us a better understanding of its importance. So again, with number one, Paul wants us to understand the greatness of God's power. Note the way in which Paul describes God's power. He describes it as an immeasurably great power. The ESV translates it immeasurably greatness of his power. You can't measure it. The King James describes God's power as an exceeding great power and was the exceeding greatness of his power. So it's greater than great. It exceeds greatness. And the NAS translates this verse as the surpassing greatness of God's power. In uh, Ephesians 1.19, what is the surpassing greatness of the power towards us who believe, um, refers to it as a surpassing power, for it is beyond any other power that one could know or experience or even imagine. So God's... So God's power abundantly surpasses any other power that we encounter or have known. To illustrate that God's power greatly surpasses any other power that we have known or experienced, Paul cites the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.19 And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he wrought or that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. See, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's power was shown to be greater than any other power. Uh, God's power was put on display in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, demonstrating that that power was greater than any other power. So the first question is, is, how was that shown? Well, first, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's power was seen to be far greater than those in positions of power. Verse 21. Far above and now what I'm going to do is look at each one of these these words that are found in verse 21 and talk about how they were put on display in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, First, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's power was seen to be far greater than those in positions of power. All rule. The word for rule means those people who are are rulers, are in positions of power. For example, Pilate, who actually sentenced Jesus to death in John chapter 19, verse 10, so Pilate said to him, that is to Christ, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Don't you have an awareness of how powerful I am? The authority that I possess your life is in my hands, is what he says in essence. In verse 11, Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And uh, so there we we see the weakness of Pilate that uh, he gives in to the crowd. Nevertheless he decrees the death and crucifixion of Lord Jesus. However the decree of Pilate could not keep Jesus in the grave. Number two. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ God's power was seen to be greater than those who occupy positions of influence. It's what is underlying this Greek word for authority. Here the word for authority means those who are in places of great influence that can affect others. For example, the Jewish leaders sought to keep Jesus in the tomb. After the crucifixion, we pick up in Matthew 27, verse 62, the next day, that is the day after preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, While he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples go and steal him and tell the people, he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So here is Pilate giving authority to the Jewish leaders to have a guard of soldiers with the instruction of making the tomb as secure as they can to make sure that the body of Jesus stays in that tomb well the soldiers couldn't keep Jesus in the tomb the Jewish leaders did not have the power to keep Jesus in the tomb Thirdly, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's power was seen to be greater than the evil one. Far above all rule and authority and power. And power. uh, Often used of the evil one and the power that he has. In Luke chapter 22 verse 2, we read of the betrayal of Jesus and we find out in Luke 22:2, and the chief priests and scribes were seeking how to put him, that is Jesus, to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the 12. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how might he betray him. So Satan was involved in the betrayal, the crucifixion, of Jesus wanting him dead and in the tomb. But the evil one could not keep Jesus in the tomb. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's power was seen to be greater than any kingdom, found in the word dominion, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. <clears throat> God's power is greater than any earthly kingdom. When we're talking about dominion, we're talking about a kingdom. And so God's power is greater than any earthly kingdom. The Roman government, the greatest power on earth at that time, could not keep Jesus in the tomb. Matthew 26, 27, 65. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. And setting a guard. But now I'm focusing on this by sealing the stone. That was to make the tomb secure. Again, to keep Jesus in the tomb. I have here, note, the seal was not the stone. All right? So they did not seal the grave with a stone. Rather, they sealed the stone. The seal was placed on the stone. The seal was the insignia of the Roman government. That the stone was not to be moved. It was a stamp. It was a warning that the stone was off limits. That no one could move that stone, or they'd be having to defend themselves before the Roman government. That the Roman government would step in and and. Uh, Hold them accountable for moving the stone. Well, number three, the Roman government could not keep Jesus in the grave. Uh, the Roman government didn't come and arrest Jesus for the stone having been moved. And B, Satan in his kingdom could not keep Jesus in the grave. We already talked about Satan, but now we're talking about Satan and all his heavenly and all his hosts could not keep Jesus in the grave. John 16:5 and following. But now I am going to him who sent me and none of you asks, where are you going? This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. <laughs> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and he will see me no more. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So here is Satan referred to as the ruler of this world. He has dominion, he has power over all of the unbelievers of this world and of the evil spirits. Satan is referred to as the prince and power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 in which you once walked following the course of the world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now worked in the sons of disobedience. Satan and all those under his power could not keep Jesus in the tomb. Uh, So you think of all the demonic influence. uh, All of uh, the forces that were at Satan's hand could not keep Jesus in the tomb. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see a power displayed that is greater than any power that exists now or could exist in the future. Ephesians 1.21, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So there you have it, all right? So it's an exhaustive list of the various ways in which power is manifested in this world, whether it be by rulers, uh, whether it be by leaders, whether it be by the evil one, and then it comes up with anything that you can name in this age or the age to come, has been defeated by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, Philippians tells us, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The point is that as we see in the resurrection, God's power cannot be thwarted. There is no entity on earth or in heaven, real or imaginative, that can overthrow the power of God. It's demonstrated in the resurrection. All the forces that were aimed at keeping Jesus in the tomb could not do it. He triumphed over them openly the Word of God says. So, having said that, number two, the power that God manifested in raising Jesus from the dead is, uh, is manifested, directed, applied to us. Applied to us. Uh, according to the power of the resurrection of Christ. It's directed towards us. That phrase, directed towards us, could be referring to a power that is consistent with the resurrection of Christ. And that's how it is used sometimes. So that the power that is directed towards us is the power that is consistent with the resurrection of Christ. It could be referring to a power that is exerted in the resurrection of Christ. That's resurrection power. The the power that was exerted, uh, the power that was exercised the authority that was given is a power that is exercised towards us that we experience even as Jesus experienced or thirdly it could be referring to a power that is demonstrated by the resurrection of Christ that's the whole list that I just went through or four it could be referring to a power that is a result of the resurrection of Christ referring to the benefits how this power is worked out in our lives And all four of those are found in the Word of God. In fact, they're found in the book of Ephesians. So as we work through the book of Ephesians in the weeks to come, we will see those applications. But there are some specific ways in which God's power is directed towards us That resurrection power is directed towards us, which is B. God directed that resurrection power toward us when he gave us spiritual life, even though we were spiritually dead. For notice, number one, Christ was given life though he was dead, Ephesians 1.20. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So God did a work in Christ... That is that God gave Christ life. God gave Christ life. Now let me just pause here for a moment. I think I need to to say this, because as we read the New Testament, Jesus says, "I have laid down my life. I have power to lay it down. I have I have power to raise it up." And so we could ask the question, you know, who raised Christ? And the answer is the Trinity did. For the power that uh, raised Christ from the dead is ascribed to the Father, it's ascribed to the Holy Spirit, and it's ascribed to Christ himself. But in the portion of Scripture in which we are in, it's emphasizing the work of God the Father who raised Christ from the dead. Number two, we were given resurrection life when we were spiritual and uh, that should be when we were spiritually dead and physical life, when we were dead as a result of Christ's life. Ephesians 2 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind who were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. So here is this resurrection power that is directed towards us. When Christ was raised, it says that we, Were raised. When he was dead, we were given life. You were dead in trespasses and sins. So that power that gives life to Jesus is the power that gives life to us to be made spiritually alive. Now we're going to talk more about that when we get to Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to be working through these verses verse by verse, but tonight's the overview. And the point is that, that we weren't just spiritually sick. We were spiritually dead. And to be made alive required the kind of power that was exercised when Jesus Christ was made alive and came forth from the tomb. We were dead. Uh, so many of the illustrations that are used in salvific uh, illustrations are people who are sick or weak or close to dying, uh, such as you know a gospel message and, and a person and they're drowning and they throw out the lifeline, they throw out a, a uh, life preserver and the person grabs hold and they pull them out. Well, a dead man can't grab hold. A dead man can't embrace. A dead man can't do anything. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. So understand this incredible power of God that gave you life. You were hopeless without that power being manifested and directed towards you. That's the first application. Second, God directed that resurrection power toward us when he raised us with Christ. Ephesians 1.20 that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now notice how that's applied later in Ephesians 2, verse 6, and raised us up with him. So that when Christ was raised, we were raised also with him. In the mind and the purpose of God, there was no separation between Christ's resurrection and ours. That's how certain our resurrection is. That's how certain it is that we will have eternal life, that we will be with God bodily. Because when Christ was raised, we were raised with him. Not experientially. There's a time in which our uh, body is going to come forth from the grave. But in the mind and the purpose of God, they are inseparable. Just as before the foundation of the world, Christ was slain. Christ was crucified even before the world was made, in the mind of God. It was a certainty. It was going to happen. It happened in time and space, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus Christ died on the cross. But in the mind of God, it was accomplished way, way back, even before eternity, even before uh, heavens and the earth were made. In the mind of God, when Christ was raised, every elect person was raised with him. And you wonder, Paul says, it's so important that we understand the resurrection power of God, the benefits that have been accrued to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. D, God directed that resurrection power toward us when He seated us in the heavenly places, when Jesus was seated in the heavenly places. In Ephesians 1:20, it says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. That was the prayer. Now notice how that's going to be applied later in Ephesians chapter two verse six, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when Jesus was placed at the right hand of the Father, so were we. So were we. So were we placed in the very presence of God. It is inseparable. For that is what God has purposed. That is what God has ordained. That was in the mind of God. That's what he intended, and not only attended, but accomplished and purposed. Jesus Christ did not come into the world to make it possible for people to be saved. He came into the world to save people. He died on the cross so that he didn't just make a way for us to enter in the presence of God. He died on the cross so that we would enter in the presence of God. When he shed his blood, he shed it for you and me, for all that would believe in him. All the elect. And when he rose, we rose with him. When we were seated in the heavenly places, we were seated in heavenly places. That's why Ephesians 1.3 says, we are blessed in all spiritual blessings in hidden heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That before the foundation of the world, God chose to unite us to Christ. And I went through that the very first night of that uh, long section in Ephesians chapter 1, talking about these wonderful blessings that we have. E, all the benefits that accrued to us in being united to the power that raised Christ from the dead will be expounded in weeks to come. You see, this is foundational to Ephesians. Paul begins by praying that, you, that we would understand this resurrection power of God, and then he unpacks it. But before he unpacks it, he's praying. And so it would be good for us as we enter into uh, the book of Ephesians, as we work our way through these chapters, as I mentioned last week, to pray that our, of our understanding be enlightened. Well, we need to pray that we would understand this resurrection power for its critical for our spiritual well-being so here's the application the application that's found in ephesians all right first in light of all that we have learned about god's resurrection power directed towards us we are to pray to be strengthened in keeping with that power ephesians 3 14 15 and 16 for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, again a prayer, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So now the prayer is that that in our innermost being, in our heart, in our mind, in our emotions, and in our will, that we would be strengthened by this resurrection power, this power that's greater than any entity, this power that is greater than the evil one, this power that's greater than government, this power that's greater than any influence, that you would experience victory over these powers by the strength that he can give, this ability that he can impart that causes us to conquer all of the outward oppressions that would come to seek to separate us from the love of God. That's why Romans says nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus because it's resurrection power. B, in light of all that we have learned about God's resurrection power directed towards us, we are to give Praise for all that he has done and will do. The doxology of Ephesians 3.20. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, that's that resurrection power, that's that work that is associated with Jesus Christ coming forth from the dead, that is the power that raised us, the power that sat us into the heavenly places in Christ, that we would give glory to God for that power that's been demonstrated to us. So it begins with our verbal giving praise to God, to giving thanks for God, that we would acknowledge God's goodness and grace in saving us that we would come to grips with what it means when the scripture says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Why, Ephesians 2.8 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and out of yourselves, it's a gift of God. How wonderful it is that God saved us, for we were helpless. We were dead. And he had to breathe life into us in order for us to believe and to receive And to experience this life giving blessing of God the Father. So may we give him praise. May we acknowledge his greatness and his goodness that could overcome all of our rebellion, could overcome all of our sinfulness, that could overcome all of our resistance. You know, one of the the great doctrines is the irresistible. Grace of God. It's impossible for the child of God to resist His grace. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, he was struck by the power of God. Philippians, he talks about as being arrested, arrested, taken captive. God arrested us in saving us. And then, secondly, We're to give praise in the changed lives that we live to the glory of God. And I'll unpack that when we get there in Ephesians chapter 3. But the emphasis there is that this resurrection power is a power that transforms us. We're a different person than what we were before we were saved. And why are we different people? It's because of the power of God that works within us. And just as God's power is irresistible, in our coming to faith, so too is God's power irresistible in our transformation. And then you say, wait a minute. What do you mean it's irresistible in our transformation? We say no to Christ all the time. And we do, unfortunately. We do often say no to the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. We do resist, we are backsliders, we we do push back. But you understand that he is going to win And you understand that when Christ returns, we are going to be for Him sinless. Not just positionally sinless, but objectively sinless. When we are in His presence, we will not sin. We won't lie. We won't steal. We won't cheat. We won't lust. We will love. We will commit no sins of commission, and we will not be lacking any righteousness through omission because of this power of God. A transforming power of God. And the more we would yield ourselves into it this life, the more righteous lives that we can live. But you see, that's the key to living righteously. It is Giving ourselves to Christ. Pleading with Christ to deliver us from our sinfulness. It isn't our picking ourselves up by our bootstraps. It isn't just our resolutions that we make about living a more godly life. Any more than salvation is by saying I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Salvation comes by grace. Sanctification comes by grace. It's a pleading with God. It's the hunger and thirsting after righteousness that will bring satisfaction, that will accomplish it. That's why Paul prays that we might know the power of God, that we might experience that deliverance, that we'd be longing for that deliverance. See, in light of all that we have learned about God's resurrection power directed towards us, we are to have confidence in all that we face. Ephesians 6.10, finally, here's the last application, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. Now notice that list. For we do not wrestle against flesh, blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness. All of those are listed in chapter 1 as Christ surpassing power. That his power is above all rule and power, authority and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this to come. So here's the application in chapter 6 that God is able to give you the power to overcome, to overcome. Uh, showing my age here. How many people know who Flip Wilson was? Okay. I can see who all the old people are. All right. Uh, Okay. Flip Wilson was a comedian, and uh, he had a line that he used all the time. Remember what it was? The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. You know, the child of God can never say, the devil made me do it. He does not have that power over us. He doesn't. When I sin, it's because I willfully sin. It isn't because I can't help myself. Now, when I put it that way, it's true. I can't help myself, but God can help me. God can deliver me. God can enable me to stand. And so when I sin, I'm not looking to God for deliverance. You know, and unfortunately, if we're honest, we don't want God to deliver us. For so often it is when we sin, right before we sin, we, we are convicted by the Spirit of God. Before we sin, there's that still small voice that tells us we shouldn't do this. I shouldn't be looking at that. I shouldn't be acting this way. I shouldn't respond in this way. But yet we do. Because at that moment, we don't stop and ask God to deliver us from those thoughts, deliver us from those actions, deliver us from those things. So we've we've got a battle on our hands. And it's not just with flesh and blood it's it's not just an earthly battle it's also a heavenly battle but it's a battle that has been won for us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and it's a battle that one day is going to be completely over when Christ returns and as I said we will stand before him righteous and holy living a godly life. So Ephesians is an emphasis on let's live more godly now. Let's live more godly now. Let's bring glory to God, not just in what we say, but it starts there. By acknowledging the greatness of God in saving us. But then it moves into acknowledging the greatness of God in delivering us. So how do we overcome addiction? How do we overcome This struggle with sin, calling on God to grant us this resurrection power in our lives, a power to overcome the evil from within and without. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us tonight to know the resurrection power of God, this power that was displayed when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, Help us to understand that when Christ rose, that that we were made alive with him. And that when he was raised, we were raised. And when he was seated at the right hand of the Father, we were seated at the right hand of the Father. That it's a done deal by your grace. That we have nothing to fear about the future because of all that the resurrection of Christ accomplished. Oh Lord, help us in this intervening period until Christ comes to say with the Apostle Paul that we want to know Christ and his resurrection power. Lord, may that be our heartbeat. May, may that be our desire. May, may that be our regular prayer, even as Paul prays for the Ephesians, that their eyes might be under uh, their eyes might be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of their calling, whether the riches, the glory, of the inheritance saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us that believe. O oh Lord, open our hearts, our minds to these great truths. Show us your power. Help us to fight with your might and with your strength. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and we are dismissed.